Um, my name is Nikki Pike, and we are at the Santa Fe Art Institute, which is this fabulous gem of a place in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where artists come to fulfill their latest and greatest dreams and projects. I was so fortunate to be invited here um, actually quite a while ago, so it's really interesting timing that I get to be here with you and see broadcast. Um, and that is a big question. What am I doing here? I think I'm still answering it, but I have made a couple commitments to things I'm going to try. And one is um, a recipe collection, which is actually grabbing the local history through the food we eat and the meals we cook. And so I'm going to situate myself around town and ask people to share their stories and see if I can capture a little tiny snippet of um, Santa Fe's culture through their food and um, stories. I work with a collective and we've had um, probably a dozen different recipe collections um, all based uh, around different themes and but the gist of every single collection was that we would use the meal and or food to initiate a conversation about something else and in this case it our conversation is about food and food justice and I think a lot about place being in Santa Fe and New Mexico where there's a sensitivity to the land and agriculture but historically our uh, collective has worked on projects that revolve around disasters and um, disaster relief we've um, done projects we worked with children in Aurora after the shootings um, at the, the Aurora Visual Arts Center. Um, we have done, and our, um, our, I should mention that our collective works on the exchange. So um, we're called the Barter Collective, and what we like to do is say, if you give us a story, we'll give you something in return. And so um, I have these silly postcards I made of the Colorado landscapes that I'm offering to people if they want. They're, they're like little artworks. Um, but anyway, something people can take away. And in the past we've done, we've, uh, and I'm thinking of this one we did in, in the Boulder Museum, which was a different project than the disaster relief project. Um, we tr actually traded them um, food. Uh, they had a choice of many desserts, which were um, specially made and chosen for that um, project, which we hired a chef in to help us make. And um, then we made up our own milagras. And they were our little truck, um, but that we made porcelain medallions for people who would share their stories and recipes. And um, it's really interesting. It, you learn a lot about food. It's not, um, a recipe isn't what you would think it is, where it's like the whole foods and then mix it, you know, the ingredients and then the instructions. Um, and nowadays it's, a lot of people eat processed foods and they, um, and the idea of the recipe is almost like the labor, the, the sort of grandma's recipe ideas, it's only about half of, of what we collect. There was a recipe that came up um, from a younger person that was uh, top ramen with um, hot dogs cut up and, and that spurred like a whole microwave sort of recipe book, which is, was really interesting because, you know, I'm thinking of 
the vernacular and culture and history, but I didn't think about how young people eat with on the budgets they're on, and we've all had to like scrape together money to have a meal. But um, so that was kind of a fun iteration, and then there's been also the non-food recipes where people will give us uh, recipes for success or recipes for disaster um, and some really poetic uh, recipes. And there's one, I should read it, um, from this space, from Jan Beatty, who was a writer who was here. Um, hers is actually quite sad. I don't know if you'll, you'll end up wanting it here, but this one's actually not about food. Um, and she had... Um, her history, she was adopted, and she um, has really bad memories from the kitchen because her mom would, um, well, I don't want to tell you too much, but her relationship with her mother, who I think wanted the idea, loved the idea of adopting a child, but then maybe when she had a child, um, it didn't, it wasn't what she wanted, and there was a, hard, a hardship in that. So Jan's whole upbringing, was like that, so I'm gonna read, I found it here. Um, so her, the, re the title of her recipe, which is also one of the most fun parts of the project, is to title the recipes. But she titled this one, No Recipe, and it has a skeleton in sort of a Mardi Gras pose here. The, the, there's stamps where you can decorate your recipes, they're pretty cute. Um, no Recipe. I hated being in the kitchen with my mother as a child. I would help her cook. She would say, hand me that yellow plate. Then she would say with anger, no, not that plate, the other one. It didn't matter what the request was, I was wrong, and she was disgusted with me. I'd rather eat alone, I hate dinner parties. So that was Jan's interpretation of, and I've got to have a few meals with her, and it, I could see that she had a lot of, um, uh, uh, she has a lot of sensitivities around food and eating, and, and I was glad that she was comfortable enough to s at least sit for a meal. We usually went out when we ate, and um, so it was interesting to spend time with her and food. Here's the one that I got from my father. So we were in um, Chicago, and this was before. This was right when the Barter Collective was born, and it it got born by accident because. I handpicked um, a bunch of my top students, and I said, if you guys get together and write a proposal, I will, um, I will take my faculty grant, and I'll take you guys to Chicago to this underground arts um, convention. And so they didn't know each other or anything, and so they come back, and um, not only does their proposal win, but it wins all of the grant money because they all work together. And then, and so, but what the idea they came up with was this collective of trading food for art. And so we didn't know what that meant, but, and we set out to, on all these adventures to, they wanted to start a collective, which was amazing. It wasn't just a project or we want to go to Chicago. And they, they wanted to buy a big school bus and so we could tour around and do this, um, art exchange. And so um, anyway, it grew and grew and grew slowly. It's gotten um, really ironed out and it's turned into a great project. Um, and so our one of our first runs was going to St. Louis and Chicago. Um, so we were going to this convention and I told them that we were coming and they said, oh, you have to be in it. 
we need you guys to do a project. What are you going to do? And so we, we um, set up like eight different nodes of, and that we would um, transition through a day. We would do eight different in, interactivities um, for the community. And one was the recipe exchange. And we, we'd never done it. And of course, we're out there ready to go. And we, and we wear like gray jumpsuits. So we all look like mechanics. In, uh, and we're like, we're out there. We're like the labor, the working class is how we try to present ourselves. And it starts pouring rain. And so uh, our truck, we don't just operate inside the truck. In, in fact, we hardly use it at all. It's more like a prop. And so we, uh, we set up all the way around the truck and make a big, um, try to make a big presence just using the truck itself. So we had to throw everything in the truck and we all jumped in the truck and we're, and we're just sitting there sort of wet and sad that we, you know, <laughs> we went all this way and it's raining on our day. And so I said, well, let's uh let's just do it from our phones you know and um i was like everyone call someone and see if you can collect a recipe and we'll just type them ourselves and you know this is just let's just see i might be wrong so anyway i was thinking um i was also sad of course like i had to try to be the the leader and the you know the cheerleader too but um but i remember there's this recipe that whenever my dad and his, he has a brother and two sisters, and whenever they get together, they cook this thing called Eggs Pike. And so my last name's Pike, and so I'm, it, but it's a very strange meal. It's, um, they do soft boiled eggs and Velveeta cheese and saltine crackers and Worcestershire sauce and I think just salt and pepper. I think that's the, the essence, a really basic kind of, um, again, like maybe lower class or middle class kind of thrown together thing, you know, especially compared to the way we ate. And so I always thought it was strange. Why, where did this food come from in our, we're, we're middle class. So I thought this is such a strange recipe and they always cooked it. They loved it. And um, it didn't really seem to tie to our history or anything I knew about um, my family or even my dad's family. And so I called him up and I said, hey, hey, dad. Oh, and then, and then you put it all together in a, a glass pan and then you bake it like a casserole. And then it comes out and by the way, it is delicious. However terrible it sounds, it's like this, um, it's like the, the poor man's um, quiche or something. It's really great. And so um, anyway, I called dad and I say, dad, you know, it is so weird. I was just thinking, you know, we're we're here in Chicago and we, and we got rained out, and, and but I was thinking, you know, how you and Aunt Judy always cook cook eggs pike, and what's what's that about? You know, where did that come from? Why do we make that? And also, like, it's kind of disgusting. I mean, it tastes good, but Velveeta, you know, and and he said, well, uh, he's like, it's interesting. You should ask. That is a helmet meal, or, or what they called. I think he, they called it a tin pot meal. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, in World War II, uh, your grandfather and the troops would cook that meal. And it was really special when they, got, when they had the eggs and the cheese all at one time. Um, they got to have these really special meals and they would put them in their helmets and cook them over the fire. And um, I just couldn't, I never would have never ever known. And then I felt humbled because I, w I was always thinking of like this as the, the poor man's food or 
and it, it made me realize um, and have a little bit of humility about how much choice we have and there's just food at our fingertips right now and in certain situations like war or refugee situation, a million situations, just even in some places in our world right now how people don't have a lot of choice. And um, so anyway, I think, I think that's really great. It, it really, I would love to collect more stories on helmet meals and I really looked for more recipes um, because I thought it'd be fun to have like, to find some World War II helmets and <laughs> have like a dinner based on these um, meals that the men cooked. Um, so anyway, that w that's my probably, I think, strongest story that I've captured from my family so far. So, in a way, that does seem like food justice. I will tell you this, though. When I was coming out here, I was talking to a friend of mine, and, and um, I was trying not to have any ideas. Like, I was really going to let Santa Fe try to tell me what to do when I get here to my residency. And, and um, this was kind of my non-arts friend and he said, well, what do you mean food justice? Like, what if the food had justice on the people? And he kind of made this silly joke about that. And I, it, it, I just thought it was a really funny, I still don't know how to wrap my brain around that idea, but food justice. Yeah, I think he was being silly. I mean, immediately you kind of, you think about food justice and how, I mean, I think about how we're the right, you know, of, I immediately think of Monsanto and how um, food's getting controlled and we're homogenizing it and how it's, it's making our population, it, it's really putting our population at risk. Like if our food, um, if there's any, it's so fragile. And if we're not careful, all of a sudden people won't be able to eat with the way we're we could potentially be going if we're not careful. But for, for what Matthew meant, I think he was being playful, um, like almost like, like I imagine like a kid's movie or something like, what if the, you know, the vegetables got angry and attacked back? And, you know, I guess maybe in a way they are because they are, you know, the, the DNA that they're putting into the corn and the potatoes, I think it was the potatoes I read that Egypt got that the really ha they have proven cases of cancer. So the food is not food. It is, I don't want to say it's justice, but well, maybe if you don't take care of the food and you don't grow it properly, then it can't take care of you. Something like that. Um, I don't think that's what Matthew was thinking. I think he was being attack of the killer tomato or something fun and silly. But um, It was fun listening to my friend's process. Like you're going where and you're doing what? And, and it made me think how lucky we are that we live in this world uh, where we, we're sort of responsible for culture and asking these questions and sharing ideas and trying to preserve um, something as big as food, you know, through ideas and talking about it and taking action for it. And, I don't know if people know that's what we do, what artists do, you know, we're the front lines of culture. <laughs>